0: The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Coghill Golf and Country Club, who we are happy and proud to partner with once again this year. Coghill features 72 holes of championship golf, including the world-famous Dubs Dread. They have a completely renovated practice area and driving range. It's essentially an academy that you can go and spend not only the day improving your game, but at night they've got lights now and two bars as well as a food truck to spend some quality time with some friends and family. They've been doing it this way since 1927, folks. Go out to CogHillGolf.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Sharp Focus Nutrition. Let's face it, when you go out and play golf, you probably don't eat and drink very well. Well, a couple hot dogs, a few beers, yeah, we get it. Sharp Focus Nutrition replaces all of that with a systematic way to not only stay replenished throughout your round, but to also improve your game in doing so. Go out to sharpfocusnutrition.com to learn about their system. Let them know that we sent you. Pick up a system right now, sharpfocusnutrition.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Golf and Filtered podcast. I'm your host, Adam Fonseca from GolfandFiltered.com. Joining me is my co-host today, Dan Hauser, also from Golf and Filtered. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm good. How's it going? Not too bad. Um, I think congratulations are in order for you. Uh, your Florida Panthers are in the finals, the Stanley Cup finals. First time since a long time, right? Ninety
1: six. Uh, I was a month shy of my ninth birthday. The last time I watched the Florida Panthers play a Stanley Cup final game. So
0: it's going to wow. be a, basically a whole new experience for me. I, I I was talking to a friend yesterday who's another big hockey guy, and I was like, I I didn't even remember when the Panthers were an expansion team. So it's been that long.
1: So just to put this into perspective, uh, the Panthers now play. In Broward County, for those who don't know Florida very well, that's essentially where Fort Lauderdale is. They're basically in Western Fort Lauderdale uh, in their own arena out there. Uh, The last time the Panthers played in the Stanley Cup final, they were still playing in Miami in an Mm -hmm. arena they shared with the Miami Heat at the time. (laughs) Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we're long pa- – obviously, since then, the Panthers and Heat now have their own arenas in completely separate counties in South Florida. So it's been so long that the two teams were still sharing an arena uh, down mm-hmm. in Miami, and not a very good part of Miami either, I'll tell you that much, from going to those games when I was a kid.
0: Well, and the Heat are – they should close out their series soon. I mean, it just seems like the Celtics have waken up. We didn't even plan on talking about NBA, but <laughs> –
1: I mean, it, if anything, you know, I'm, I'm sure the league's probably happy about this. Cause they probably didn't want to go dark for 10 straight days, had both right. series ended in a sweep. So, uh, they'll get a game six out of it. It'll be in Miami. Um we'll, we'll see. hopefully it happens then uh we know one person that won't be there is brooks because there's no missed cuts and lives so he can't be at that one Unlike like the other few he's been at uh, he'll be playing on saturday so
0: and that guy that guy's been on a on a bender i mean he's <laughs> no, I mean, he's been seen every you know obviously after winning his fifth major over at the pga championship at oak hill he just beelined over to the panthers games uh two in a row right he was there
1: yeah so basically sunday night when he's done with all his obligations as being the PGA champ, he essentially hops on the jet flies back home to Jupiter Uh, Monday night. He's down in sunrise at the Panthers game Tuesday night. He's in Miami courtside of the heat game. Wednesday night, he's back at the Panthers to watch them uh, finish it off in that same suite that he was in on Monday night. And then I I guess, I don't know, his travel schedule. I'm assuming as soon as that game ended on Wednesday night, he hopped on the jet and went to D.C. because he had to play in a pro-am on Thursday. Uh, um, So, yeah, uh, I don't know how much he's slept uh, in the last week or so, but uh, he's been enjoying life, that's for sure.
0: Uh, To say the least, and obviously a lot of jokes have been flying around on social media, I mean. Those are the look, those are eyeballs of a man who's seen some things in one way or another. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And we'll, we'll leave any, uh, you know, assumptions of what may be happening, but I think we all pretty much know what happened uh, with good old, good old Brooksy. So, you know, his win at the PGA championship, obviously it's a return to form for him. It's his third Wanamaker trophy, which puts him in some rare uh, company along with Jack and, and Tiger. And, and I think that's it he obviously is the first live golfer to have won a major. So, you know, we like to be, we're big perspective guys, Dan, you and me. So how does this, what does this mean for live golf, this victory?
1: Uh, until they get on a network where their playoffs aren't being cut (laughs) off to go to reruns of one tree Hill and random other infomercials, nothing (laughs) in the short term. Um, And for those of you who may not be familiar, that's a thing that really happened uh, the last (laughs) live event that Dustin Johnson wanted to play off. Most people, the overwhelming majority of people who even got it in the first place on their CW affiliates. We've talked many times on the show how your local affiliate doesn't even get to carry live events, period. But even for the ones that did um, live or the CW is only under contractual obligation to carry the event i wanted to say till 6 30 it went into a playoff because there was also a rain delay earlier in the day and most people instead of seeing the playoffs saw reruns of cw shows infomercials you know you name it whatever they happen to to put on there so i think until that changes it's brooks's win isn't going to change much and he basically said so much himself after he won it they asked you know have you talked to greg yet what do you think this is going to mean for live and he basically said I talked to my wife cuz that's the only person I care about talking to right now and I play for me and for myself and this is all I care about is that what this means for me. So if yeah. if the guy's not even willing to hype live up then why is anyone going to now go tune into live.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a really good good observation because I mean Brooks has always been a guy that has just kind of marched to his own beat, you know. He's always been that type of player. He's always kind of had this at least from my perspective like this laissez-faire you know uh, opinion of professional golf in general him being someone who wanted to actually play professional baseball if I remember correctly and he even went so far in years ago many years ago as saying you know what golf was kind of the second option so I guess it shouldn't be any surprise that when he does achieve what he achieves he's really just kind of focusing on himself I mean that makes sense and, to me
1: yeah and let's not forget too that even when he was on the PGA tour he didn't care about weekly tour events when he was <laughs> on the tour so obviously he still doesn't care about them now on live his he cares about four tournaments a year i guess five if it's a rider cup year and he makes the rider cup which that's going to be interesting because i'm pretty sure he basically qualified on points just from mm-hmm. the last two majors now and is going to end up earning an automatic spot on this rider cup team unless uh the pga of america or zach johnson tries to find some way to finagle him out of it so that that's a right. whole nother story for another day entirely uh but yeah basically he cares about four tournaments a year He cared about those four tournaments when he was playing on the PGA tour. He still only cares about those four tournaments on live. So like I said, the guy that won it doesn't even care about weekly live events. So if you're not already someone who's already watching live events, I can't see that. I can tell you that I'm not, you know, we're recording this on a Friday that the the day that the live event starts, I'm not going to get off with you right now and and flip that on. But I, I haven't been watching up until this point, but I'm saying like, I'm not going to now watch it today because Brooks won the PGA.
0: Yeah. And I think the way that, um, a lot of coverage is being structured these days, you know, we, we like to harp on regular season events, not being covered all that well. The majors are by far the ones that are covered the best. And those are the ones that people are going to tune it, tune into, you know, I mean, truth be told, and I've said this to you many times, I don't actually watch a lot of PGA tour golf even. Um, it's just, there's a lot of time we joke, like our last podcast episode, there's too much golf. So, you know, it's interesting then from a larger landscape perspective, from a product that, you know, two guys that like to talk about golf all the time and have a website, we don't even watch every round. How do we expect, or why should we expect these players to really quote unquote care that much about regular season events?
1: Or why should we be then expected to care about these extra live events when we're not even able to keep up with every pga tour round why then we're going to also keep up with these live rounds that you know sometimes aren't even on tv i know we joke about it but i mean they're they're not
0: (laughs) (laughs) right yeah it's just a fact and you know i think it's interesting too because i mean the landscape of professional golf has changed many times over the last, it seems like 12 months, every day that we think we've got it figured out, something else new happens. And with Brooks's win, I mean, this is something that from Liv's perspective should be a huge deal. As you just pointed out. And I agree, Brooks doesn't see it the same way, at least not for Liv. It's a big deal for him, but from Liv's standpoint, I mean, I could see them making the argument that this somehow validates something in their minds, but I don't know how you feel about that. Does this validate anything for live?
1: Well, I will say, I think that live got almost unlucky that Brooks was the one that won their first one, because you look Mm -hmm. at Brooks or DJ, like those are the two that are not going to say the controversial thing. They're not going to break, bust out the pom-poms for live. They're going to say, Hey, I did it. You know, it doesn't matter what tour I play on. Uh, Mm -hmm. Had you had somebody like a Phil, well, Sergio wasn't there, but somebody like a Phil or a Sergio or an Ian Poulter, you know, these guys who've just been like rah, rah, rah vocal about it. Yeah, I right. think I think it might have been a little bit different. And I do find it interesting, too, based on, you know, with what you were just saying. Phil was the one who took to Twitter and to social media saying this is just proof that live is the best tour because we play right. less and we it'll keep us sharper for the majors like Brooks, who actually won. It wasn't the one pumping up live. It was Phil who. Didn't have a great week no <laughs> I, mean, <he> <laughs> I mean it's not like he was it's you know if he had done that after the masters it would have made more sense because at the masters he had a great right. week he didn't have a good week but he was the one coming out saying look this validates live look we all told you live is great and it's the best tour and you can play an easier a shorter schedule and it'll keep you more ready to go for the majors but mm, the pga tour players are, are independent contractors they're not required to play the week before a major if they want to take that week off to prep and get right. ready. Like it's not really I mean even even before Tiger, you know, got his injuries and and was basically became a part-time golfer. What was he playing 15, 16 events a year, including the majors? Yeah. Rory now. What does he play? 15, 16. So to you for the for Phil to say, oh, we only have 14 events. Okay, well great. Well, before you left the PGA tour, you were probably playing what, 15 a year? Right. You weren't really. It's not like you were one of these guys out here playing 30 weeks, 30, 30 weeks a year. Like you weren't. So your schedule is really not that different, except now no. you're contractually obligated to play every four, all 14 events there. You could pick the 14 or 15 events you wanted to play and balance out a schedule a little bit more. Now you're contractually obligated to play. Them.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's rough for, it's rough because for a guy like Phil, who for some reason continues to be like the de facto voice of live golf. And, and I guess maybe live should be thankful for that since Greg Norman, isn't going to do it any justice. Um, but Phil is certainly out there tooting the horn and he's saying the things that we all just knew he would say and it doesn't make it any less cringe. You know, it's like look, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, uh even to an extent maybe not not recently, but if Bryson ever got his stuff together, I mean, these are players that were going to perform well no matter which tour they were on. So it has nothing to like LIV is not developing. Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson, they they could give a shit less. I mean, it's just a matter of them finding finding a place for whatever rationale they have in their minds. And if we believe what Dustin Johnson was saying in full swing, you know, he basically just said, "Look, if I can play less golf for more money, I'm going to do it. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you." Well, we know where he lands. He doesn't like to practice anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah. Brooks, DJ, Cam Smith, like these guys. Right. There's a there's a reason why these guys were able to go to live and not face any sort of real consequences. And that's because they are so good that they had already locked in all their major exemptions. So it didn't matter where they play. They were not going to have to scrounge together there. You know, it's not like Sergio who had to go play in a 36 hole U S open qualifier last week to even get into the U S open and didn't get in the PGA because he's at a point. Like these guys are so good that they already have their, their exemptions for, well, in some cases with the masters for life, but you know, the the name of the tour with their the name in the tour in the background and the golf course they're playing golf on is irrelevant. It's just a matter right. of where they're gonna get their money from now, essentially. And whether we want to believe that the DJ Adidas parting of ways was mutual mm-hmm. or whatnot, like for the most part, these guys aren't even losing sponsors from it. So it's not even like they're really like we we thought that all these guys were gonna get dropped by everyone. They were gonna end up with like no money anymore except for the live money, but we haven't really seen that. For the most part, these guys are st- keeping most of their sponsorship deals too. So there really has been no financial or uh, play repercussions for those. But like you said, it's not because live did that for them. It's because they did Mm -hmm. that for themselves long before live ever existed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, would make sense, which is the whole reason why they wanted to, they were being courted by live anyway, you know, they're not, they're not going to grab just a bunch of scrubs, you know? Uh, So the other side of it too is, and you touched on this, and I just published something on golf to talk a little bit about rumors and I don't like talking about rumors too much. I mean, especially when it comes from Twitter accounts that are clearly just blind supporters of live. But this one actually had a little feasibility and just to touch on it briefly, the, the players, the captains specifically for each of these golf teams on live part of their understanding is that they have to literally sell the team. Like that is something that is within their contract and they get some equity in that. There's a rumor floating around that Nike might be interested, especially since Brooks is a uh, Nike athlete. They may be interested in purchasing Smash Golf Club. Now, I have no idea if that's true. It's just something that's been floated for the sake of a thought experiment, I guess. Does it make sense for big brands like Nike, TaylorMade, Callaway, whomever, to purchase one of these teams?
1: Ah. Uh, That's so i'll say this if nike does it that's going to open the floodgates because adidas is going to feel like they're then going to have to buy one to keep up with the joneses and then when nike and adidas both own one all these other large oems or large apparel companies are going to have to say to themselves well if we don't we're going to get left behind and then they're going to then have to start at least considering it whether they do it or not so yeah i think um it's going to be an interesting social experiment, I guess you could say, Right. because I think if Nike does it and they're the first ones to do it, everyone is going to have to follow suit just from the standpoint, of if they don't, they're going to be left behind in the golf world. Yeah, um, I think, I think this was uh, lives. Hope is that right. in their minds, they probably thought if we can get one to do it, everyone else will then follow suit because they're going to feel like they're, they have to, and then they're going to all of a sudden get all their money because, another and i don't remember the exact percentages but another interesting caveat in these contracts is that even if these captains even when these captains sell their teams live gets a substantial percentage of that sale fee essentially
0: 75% yep 75
1: okay thank you see i thought it was mm-hmm. i thought it was around there i couldn't remember exactly but yeah so it's very much in live's best interest to get these guys selling their teams because live's going to make a, probably almost all of if not all of a good good chunk of what they've had to initially put in to start this up uh, with Mm -hmm. they're going to get that back from when these teams start selling
0: yeah well and it's also in their best interest as well because it kind of like seeds live into different parts of culture and business so because i think i would hope that the public investment fund who funds live golf they realize that they can't just be a, a single entity and keep this thing going completely funded by them they want to get it integrated Within different brands like Nike and others so that it's almost a self-sustaining thing, which, of course, makes it much more difficult to to uh, burn out, you know, in the event that things don't work out. So it's an interesting it's an interesting social experiment. I like the way you put that, because we're going to see how things play out. Um, And again, it's just uh, listeners, it's completely a rumor at this point, but it does have some feasibility considering that Nike is one of the richest companies in the world, at least in that space. And they have done things in the past where they have brought, you know, groups of, um, I almost said employees, (laughs) kind of the same thing, groups of athletes under an umbrella to play for a Nike tour or, you know, a, a basketball tournament or something like that. It's not completely, you know. Something that we've never seen before. But that being said, another big story that I know you and I are very passionate about that came out of the PGA Championship was the the legend of Michael Block. And so, you know, it's funny because we have this group chat for uh, you, me, and Nikki are on it. And we try to kind of think of some things to cover for GU. First of all, your impressions of the Michael Block story while he was playing the PGA Championship.
1: Oh, it was amazing. It was the coolest thing ever, you know, from 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 his walk up on Thursday when he was talking to Scott Van Pelt uh, to that hole in one on Sunday and his interviews afterwards. I thought for the most part, it was the cool, you know, at first Mm -hmm. I thought that whole asking Rory did it go in thing was a little like, okay, come on, guy. But then when you hear him afterwards explain to the fact that like he was essentially in such a state of shock. That he almost didn't believe it, and I'm like, well, yeah, I can relate to that. I've never had a hole in one, and I'm pretty mm. sure what the, when, if the if the day ever comes where I do, I'm going to be in such a state of shock that I'm not going to believe that it went in either. So then, right. I, you know, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I get this. Um, now I just listen, man. <laughs> I, I'm I'm in this world we live in with reality TV and everything. Like, you want to go get your 15 minutes of fame? I'm not one to stop you. This country is basically being run by people who are right got you know made something for themselves after their 15 minutes of fame have at it man but like somebody needs to like it doesn't matter now because we're, we're it's basically over but somebody yeah. needed to get in this guy's ear like on monday and just say hey uh you don't like, need to down. go on podcasts and say that if you could hit it as far as rory could that you'd be the best golfer in the world you don't need to go on cnn and good morning like pick one maybe like i understand it's it's a legitimate yeah. story like maybe you don't need to if you don't need to say yes to every single person that wants to put you in a microphone in front of you because you you are a professional golfer from the sense that you literally collect a paycheck to play golf you are not a professional golfer though like you have right. not been right. trained or taught or been told by agents and pr people like not just what to say but what not to say <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, he has said yeah. some things this week that it's like, whew, whew, are you hearing what you are? You hearing yourself? <laughs> what are you doing?
0: Yeah, it's been tough. And, you know, it's it's really easy for us just to put this out there. It's really easy for us to kind of talk about, you know, what he should or shouldn't do. But I mean, I'm in agreement with you because, you know, there's a lot about Michael Block that on the surface, when we first heard about him on the PGA Championship, you know, obviously, he had played in many tour events. We've talked about that. You wrote an article recently that's on Golf Unfiltered that talks a little bit about his background. This is not your typical PGA club pro. Let's just put that out there. I think um, the
1: the exact wording I used was he's much more Omar Uresti than the guy bringing well, you up for your for your greens fees and a Diet Coke was base, was was what I said in the article. To, to right,
0: 100%. and that and that's a good comparison because Omar has actually been on this show in the past. We've talked about kind of the the bad rap that he gets. And just for listeners who might not be aware, Omar Uresti played on the PGA tour regularly for many years. If you ever saw that, and I know we've all seen the highlight of tiger making an ace at, uh, in Phoenix at what would eventually become the waste management Phoenix open. The guy that he high fives is Omar Uresti. That's the first person. So the point though, is that Omar gets a bad rap because he is a PGA professional. He's not a PGA tour pro. However, he still plays in very high level events, not all tour stops, but he plays in a lot of really high level events. He makes a good living doing it and he doesn't really go to a club and he's not, as you put it in your article, he's not ringing up greens fees like this is a guy that will go and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way. This is just a loophole, so to speak, in the way that PGA pros work. He pays his fees or his dues. He may give a lesson every so often but he is completely capable of doing what he's doing. Now, I'm not saying that's what Michael Block is doing, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what Michael Block is doing.
1: Well, and, you know, he had that all shucks persona to him at the PGA Championship, and that was great. And honestly, like, he could have just kept that going for a few more days, gone all shucks, even in his interviews and stuff, and just kind of kept that all shucks personality going into Thursday at the at the Charles Schwab challenge. And then on Thursday, when he goes out and shoots an 81, everyone's going to be like, yeah, I mean, what did you expect this guy to do? He shoots an 81. Okay. All, you know, it was still a great story. We're still happy. But to, to do the, the, the media circuit that he did. And then specifically to say that thing that he said on the podcast about the whole Rory thing. And then as part of shooting that 81 on Thursday, he just really struggled around the greens when he literally Mm. said, My short game is already elite, so if I could hit it as far as Rory, I'd be the best. Well, it's not elite, obviously, because you wouldn't have shot an 81 if it was as elite as you're claiming it to be. So I think that's what I'm saying. That goes back to, like, somebody needed to get in his ear and just say, don't do this, because he did himself no favors. And now what could have been a storyline that could have continued for another couple weeks even, because he's also going to be playing in the RBC Canadian Open Mm – essentially it's done now it's done dead and when he shows up to the rbc canadian it's just he's just going to be another guy who's there on a sponsor's exemption that no one's gonna the same way that nobody paid attention to or really knew that he played in two events already this year prior to the pga that's now going to essentially be what's going to happen when he goes to the rbc like it's just going to be another guy in the field that no one's really going to pay attention to
0: golf unfiltered is proud to partner once again with mizuno golf for 2023 Mizuno Golf is offering their new JPX 923 irons, and if you haven't heard about these yet, go out to our YouTube channel and see a full fitting that I do with Mizuno at Coghill Golf and Country Club. These irons are spectacular. They've got three medals, five different options of irons, spanning the player's spectrum, so you are for sure going to find something great for your game. Go out to MizunoUSA.com today to learn more. Yeah, in a way, I kind of feel... I kind of feel bad for the guy to a, to an extent because, you know, all these players, they want to make it whether they believe that or not. You know, he's uh, he's on record of saying that he doesn't want to be part of any tour. I don't buy that for a second. If you're a, por- a pro golfer, um, you are trying at some point in your life. There was a dream that you were going to play on the PGA tour. I think that's a pretty safe blanket statement for me to make. Now, that being said, you know, he's in his mid 40s. And, you know, he's not going through the traditional Corn Fairy Tour. I think he's played in one event on the Corn Fairy Tour. Um, he's not going that route. And he still had a chance, like you said, to have that 15 minutes. You know, he played really well. Uh, coincidentally, he finished in the top 15 at the PGA Championship. That is no small feat. But I think maybe it's just the world in which we live, especially in the media um, uh, landscape we just find these stories and we hug and that was the mice and men uh, joke that I made. We hug and we coddle them. And then we just end up killing the poor thing. Uh, Is is that his fault or is that something that that's just how media is these days?
1: Yes. And no, Um, it's no secret that social media isn't kind. I know that before this week, I don't, I, I think before the PGA championship, I don't think he had a Twitter account but you don't Mm -hmm. need to not have a Twitter account to know that social media in general is going to rip you to pieces. If you say even like the slightest controversial or wrong thing. So while no, like it's not his fault that he went out and shot an 81 on Thursday to an extent. It also kind of is because early on in the week, instead of practicing and getting ready and playing and getting Mm -hmm. ready to play in this PGA tour event, he was doing podcasts and on cnn and on good morning america and it's like guy you're not you're not a pga tour pro like you can't afford to just not practice for four days show up at a course blind and say okay i'm gonna go shoot a 67 right now like what he ended up doing aside like friendly reminder that brooks kepka actually won the pga championship (laughs) and didn't go on the media circuit now yes he
0: he was on something else
1: he went to all these playoff games (laughs) and we still don't know if he slept in a week that's beside but i'm just saying like (laughs) the winner of the tournament didn't even do the right. media stuff that this guy did. And, and Brooks is an actual tour pro, mm-hmm. whether he's on liver PGA tour, whatever tour he, you, he's on, he is a tour pro. So for him to take a couple days off and then show up at a course and say, I'll just going to go out here and mm-hmm. shoot a 67 at you old. Yeah. You're a yeah. tour pro. That's what you do. This guy's not, you can't just show that would be, This is very extreme, but that would be like you and I – you or I showing up to a golf course we had never really played before after having not played for a couple weeks and saying, yeah, I'll break 80 today. Well, no, you're not. No. no. In what world do you think that that you're going to break 80? No, absolutely not. You've never seen the golf course before. You haven't picked up your clubs in like a month. And I use those – I say a month because the equivalence for somebody like him not playing in three or four days, like it might be because – I could not pick up a club in three and four days and nothing would change. You know, I mean, I'm still mm-hmm. God awful, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> I'm not of that mind frame where I think, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and break 80 today. I haven't touched my clubs in, you know, in you know, right. work. like, n- no, because yeah, when you're it's... at that level, even as a pro, like at that level, you still have to be a range rat and be hitting balls like every single day. And he obviously, what when was he doing that? When he was doing all these interviews. And so I yeah. think that he, so yes, while it's not directly his fault, I think that it also was to accept that he could have said and probably should have said no to some of these people because he needed to put himself in the best situation to succeed this week and or last, you know, and he didn't.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and, and it, you're right. And it did feel, it felt like he was presented a choice and he chose a path that wasn't going to set him up to succeed, like you pointed out. I mean, if this is a guy that truly wanted to play on a tour and... As I mentioned, he said he hasn't. He doesn't, at least in his words. Um, maybe you don't go on all those. You don't accept all those invites,
1: you know. And you have to think about the opportunity that he had for himself. Because yes, he's not a PGA Tour member, but he finished top fifteen last week at the PGA. So even as a non-member, he gets you know points. He right. he, he gets non-member points the same way you would if you were on the actual tour. A uh, a good finish this week could have afforded him enough points to qualify mm-hmm. for special temporary membership. Yep. I- I'm sorry. You can tell me all day that you don't want to be on a tour, but if you had back-to-back good weeks and the PGA tour came to you and said, Hey, you now have a card for the rest of the season. Like
0: who says no to that? You know, I
1: just, I'm just, you know, it- it's just, he had a really special opportunity this week, and I'm not. Look, he could have practiced all day, every day, and still gone out and shot an 81 yesterday. I, I mentioned this sure. in the article too. Ha- putting being a, a club pro and putting four decent rounds together at a tournament like the PGA Championship, where you basically know that if you can grind out even par golf for four days, you're set, is a lot different than going and playing week and week out on the PGA Tour, where you basically have to shoot 10 under just to even make the cut. You know, yeah. for two days. You know, so it's. I'm not saying he still wouldn't have shot anyone yesterday, but I feel like, yeah, I understand wanting to enjoy the moment, but you also got to understand the opportunity that you had. And he he talked about last week. I'm doing this for all the twenty thousand PGA professionals out there. Okay, well, I bet you most of those twenty thousand had they given given that the opportunity you had this week to play in a tour event, probably would have done more practicing and less talking.
0: That's probably true. That's actually a really good point because you know, to your to your comment earlier about the Aw, shucks, Mentality that Block was was projecting, and he was. I mean, that's the thing that that you know encapsulates or or captures rather people's attention watching on on the couch. You know, and I'll be honest, my wife and I were watching, especially um, following his Sunday uh, round when he was talking to Ballyonis, He started crying. I had some tears in my eyes. My wife had some tears in her eyes. It was a really good feel good moment, and. As we've been talking about, as time continued, it almost seemed like, okay, this guy is more or less, oh, this is my moment. I'm going to try and soak all this up and and take advantage as much as I can, as opposed to, hey, let's make this an actual true opportunity to to get a card.
1: Basically, 72 hours later, it was gone.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, you're right. You're absolutely right. So it'll be interesting. I mean, like you mentioned, he is going to be playing in a few more events coming up. He'll be playing in the RBC, Canadian Open in not too long. It, it's a it's a story that unfortunately will probably fizzle out if we're playing the odds here. And I know you and I are both gambling men. Um, this is something that's going to probably fizzle out. And, you know, I don't know if it's because of him only. I don't know if it's a combination of the media circus that follows. But, you know, we live in the day and age where social media especially likes to build people up just to tear them down. And, at the end of the day, though, it's been an interesting few weeks. Uh, we've got a few other interesting things coming up as well. I know that we've got um, this week's tournament. We've got live golf that's, that's happening. You know, it's going to be. We're in the thick of things right now. We're in the summer months. There's going to be a lot of different things to cover. What are you most excited about right now, as far as the golf world? We've got a couple majors coming up, for for example.
1: Yeah, so I think these next couple weeks are going to be really, really interesting. Uh, I know last episode, we talked about golf fatigue, and there's too much golf going on. But if you think about it, so this week, obviously, was Charles Schwab Challenge, which a lot of big names played at coming right off of the PGA. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week is the Memorial, which is a major invitational event, so all the big names will be there. Then you have the RBC Canadian Open, which... I, I feel like that that's gonna have to be a week where a lot of these guys are gonna take off. It's, I'm gonna be very curious to see what that field's gonna look like. Obviously, all right. the RBC guys are gonna have to play. All the Canadians are going to have to play. But I can't and because the week after that's the U.S. Open, so I can't help but wonder if that RBC field is going to basically look like a glorified Corn Ferry Tour event with a couple mm-hmm. RBC guys and a couple Canadians thrown in there because. We talk about golf fatigue and too much golf. Like these guys are going to have to take a week off somewhere. They're not going to do it at Jack's event, whether it it has nothing to do with the fact that it's an elevated event or a a potential fine. Like they're just, they're not going to do that to Jack.
0: Mm -hmm. That's just, I'm sorry, but they're just not
1: going to do it to him. So they're not going to take that week off obviously they're not going to skip the U S open. I did find that pretty funny where a couple of these live guys who didn't qualify for the PGA were like, Oh yeah, you know, going to take this week and rest up for the next uh, live event. No, (laughs) you're not. You didn't get in. It's not like you were, it's not like you were eligible (laughs) to play in the PGA and you're like, you know what? I don't want to play in this. I'm going to take the week off. No, you weren't, uh, you didn't qualify. So, you know, ha ha. ha. But (laughs) so they're not obviously going to skip the U S open. So it's just my, I think my biggest, the biggest curiosity I have and see how it plays out the next couple weeks is what's this field at the RBC going to look like.
0: That'll be interesting. And maybe that presents another opportunity for our friend, Michael block, who knows if it's a weaker field, maybe he moves up. You never know in this crazy, crazy sport, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on board with, with uh, the next couple majors. I mean, obviously we're not going to have uh tiger probably for the rest of the year. He's uh, he's officially withdrawn from the U S open. I believe the same will be true for the British open. Um, you know, this is another peak, and it's kind of been this way for a while. But this is a peak into the post-Tiger era, and this is way the way it's going to be. We're going to have this this somewhat of a chaotic relationship between Live Golf and PGA Tour. I mean, that seems to be settling down a little bit. People are leaving lawsuits. There's only like one person. I think it's Bryson is the only one still on that, uh, or unless he may have backed out already. I think the I would point, say I think he
1: backed off, backed out right before the PGA started. So I don't okay. think there's anyone left anymore now.
0: So, so that's even dying down. I mean, it's going to be this is the landscape of golf for the foreseeable future. and we're all just going to have to be, uh, you know observers at this point. We can comment comment on it. We can we can see how things play out. It's exciting, but it's also a little bit uncertain. So uh, we'll sit back. We'll of course continue to cover everything that happens uh, in the later uh, in the larger landscape of golf. Anything else that you want to cover before we uh, we say goodbye for this week?
1: I think we pretty much covered all the the big stories. Uh, like it's yeah, like we, you could, we we got we've got a couple of fun months coming up in front of you know we have the US Open coming up, the British is basically the, the I guess the as much as we talk about golf fatigue and how there's too much golf, the one good thing about this truncated schedule that the PGA Tour did is once the summer ramps up that's like Basically every week we're going to have a big tournament now because, you know, in order for them to finish before football season starts, there's no real breaks now, which is, which is going to be fun. It's going to be great to cover. It's going to be great to talk about. There's always going to be something going on Uh, for you and I specifically, obviously the summer months are a little bit slower on the sports side anyway. Yeah. We have our, we have baseball, but you know, so just, Mm. it'll be fun to have something else to, to keep an eye on every week. Uh, So I'm, I'm excited about these upcoming majors coming up and how everything's kind of just like on top of each other. now
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to watch. Uh, I'm living vicariously through you with the Florida Panthers. We'll see how things happen (laughs) with with the NHL, uh, because God knows my White Sox aren't doing anything. And um, I don't know about your Reds. I mean, I don't think I think we're both in the land of mediocrity at this point.
1: It's funny. We were talking about this the other day. I'm not used to not having really been able to follow baseball very uh, closely this late into the baseball season, because by now, all my you know, that's all I have. All my I don't have you know, I, I, I'm not used to having a team still in the playoffs this, you know, in the NHL season. So I, I don't think the Reds are doing great. I'd be lying to you if I said I've been really keeping up because I only have so much <laughs> mental capacity and ability to stay awake for so much. So, uh, right. but yeah, no, it's it's been a fun run so far.
0: Well, that's Dan Hauser. You can find him over at golfunfiltered.com, including his most recent piece, uh, talking a little bit about Michael Go- uh, Block that we just talked about today i'm adam fonseca you can see a couple of things i have up there as well and then of course our third partner nikki dunnigan she's got some pieces up there as well and we will uh, welcome her back on the show very very soon dan uh, you have a good rest of your weekend all right happy memorial day you too you as well